You're listening to the weekly sermon podcast from Union Road Presbyterian Church. For more information, join us on Facebook or visit our website at unionroad.org.uk. We're going to put a big word up on the screen. There it is. Well, when I was in school, I don't know if this happened around here or not. Primary school I'm talking about. And I have to be careful. There are probably teachers here. But um, teachers used to put a big word up on the screen. Or not the screen. There's no such thing as a screen when I was in school. A big word up on the blackboard in chalk, right? And uh, it was called dictionary exercises. And the idea was she would say to us, now, look at that big word and write down, see how many words you, out of the letters you can make out of that big word. Now, she said it was good for us. We thought it was a matter of keeping us quiet for an hour or two while she did something else. Do the teacher, any teachers here? One or, one or two? Do you still do that kind of thing? Well, I don't know. Anyway, the word on the screen there for you this evening is indeed the title of the sermon. It's not that big a word, but of course it's the word uh, paralyzed or the word paralysis. And that's really what we're thinking about. If you look up the meaning of the word paralyzed or paralysis in a dictionary, you will discover it's not just the meaning, the meaning is not just the loss or movement of sensation, but it says also a cessation or impairment of activity. Now, I suppose looking back on it, and I'm sure you'll agree with me, over the past couple of years or so, um, we have looked back and our lives to some degree have been paralyzed, not necessarily in our limbs, maybe, but uh, there are so many things we'd love to have done and places we'd love to have gone and maybe even things in churches, or certainly things in churches when churches were closed and when we weren't able to do the things, quite frankly, because of the COVID, and it still is with us, let's make no mistake about it, but uh, there was so much of life we were paralyzed in, in, in another sense of the word. Paralyzed, even though they were healthy in our limbs. Now, we had a reading a few minutes ago from the gospel that was written by St. Mark. Mark's gospel, as you know, was the first and the earliest gospel. It doesn't appear the earliest gospel in our New Testament, but it was the first gospel that was committed to writing. And it was the well-known account of the man who was paralyzed in his limbs. And he wanted to get to Jesus for fairly obvious reasons. But of course, by himself, he could not, very simply, because he could not walk. Let me say this first. Let none of us ever take for granted the health that is in our bodies, for which we ought to be saying thank you to God every day. It's a blessing that no amount of money can buy. Now, here is the background to what is recorded. I'm going to put a slide of a picture up just, um, and the boys and girls will be familiar with this kind of picture. We all should be. Um, uh, the miracle that Jesus performed to the paralyzed man. Jesus returned to the city of Capernaum. You can go to Capernaum today. You'll see ruins of a synagogue because Jesus often went to Capernaum. There were a number of towns around the north of the Sea of Galilee, and one of which was Capernaum. And the news spread about him coming, and uh, obviously uh, the life was 
very, people were very excited about Jesus coming and were told that there were great crowds of people. Uh, the people heard they'd come home and they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not outside the door. Now I'm told, or I read rather, that life in Palestine was very public in those days. Houses were very simple. And I think maybe a bit like the, the, the drawing that is on the screen for us this evening. I'm told that in the morning the door would be opened and that was a sign for anybody who wished just to come on, on, on in. The door was never shut unless the person inside wanted or needed privacy. And in humble houses like the one that we have and the one described, there was no hallway. The door opened right onto the street. And therefore, in no time at all, the house was crowded with people. Why? It was crowded with people because Jesus was there. Now, there are some commentators that will try to suggest to us that this house in question was Peter's house. But the Bible does not say that. That is, is purely speculation. There was no such a thing, obviously, as social distancing. And right out onto the streets, the crowds were. And into the crowd comes four men carrying a friend on a stretcher, the paralyzed man. Now, the four men were not easily put off. If you had been in that situation, what would you have done? You'd have probably said to the man on the stretcher, it's no use. We can't get through the crowd. There's a traffic jam, as it were. But they weren't easily put off by the crowd. The roof on, the, uh, the, on Palestinian houses was flat, and usually, as the drawing shows us, had, a, had a, an outside stairway like that. The construction of the roof, very different to what we have in our country, uh, was made it very simple for the people to uh, take off the layers of bracken and, and brushwood and whatever it was, clay and so on, that, that held it together. And they let the stretcher down between the beams that would have been roughly a meter apart. And so the stage was set for the paralyzed man to get to Jesus. Now that's the picture you have in your mind, and I hope of the event. But I want to make some applications for us this evening. And the first point I want to make is of human helplessness. You see, some people need to be carried to Jesus. They need to be carried to Jesus because they can't get there by themselves for some reason, or they are afraid of going there by themselves. They are often paralyzed by the fear of what other people would say if they got too involved with Jesus. And we have lots of people like that, uh, and I'm sure they're around this town like every other town. They are paralyzed by a fear of getting too involved, a fear of giving up old habits are paralyzed by the fear of people thinking they've gone mad or leaving their old friends behind or their old habits, whatever it happens to be. Some people are maybe paralyzed by addictions, drugs, gambling, pornography, work, money. The list is endless, but the effect is the same. Paralysis. Paralysis is what keeps many people from coming and getting involved with Jesus Christ and with the gospel. And paralysis, indeed, keeps many a committed Christian from being less 
than what God ever intended them to be of use in the community working out as salt and light. Paralysis has many forms, and it stops many people indeed in the first instance from coming and putting faith in Christ in the first place. Well, the story, as we've said, recorded in Luke 2, shows us human helplessness. Now, if if you're following the (coughs) authorized version, the older translation of verse 3, it talks about the, the words are used, the sick of the palsy, which is a way of saying the man on the stretcher was hopelessly sick. He was unable to do anything for himself. He thought he had one problem. But in actual fact, Jesus identified, as we will see later on, more than one problem. And surely one of the things we have learned over the past few years, couple of years now, is that of human helplessness. You know, there are so many things over which we have no control. We think we're powerful. We think there's nothing we can't do. We think we're in charge of our world, our community, our finances, all our lives. We think we're indestructible. But you know, life for any one of us can change like a moment. I heard of a, a friend of mine or a person I, I had occasion to minister to who was celebrating with his family on a Saturday night. And I say celebrating, they just had a little party in their own garden. He was celebrating his retirement. Uh, on Tuesday, a two or two later, they weren't celebrating. He died. Life can change in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. We think we're powerful, but we're really human helpless. We cannot, no matter how powerful, stop a little virus from attacking our bodies. We can't see it. But it can change life, and it has changed life for many, many, many people. Just like the man on the stretcher in Capernaum, we have to admit, if we're honest enough, that we are pictures of human helplessness. Here's another point. We see in this story a picture of brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. The four men, you picture the scene, going to what you might say ridiculous lengths to take a man down through the roof, to dig out the roof to bring their friend to Jesus. And according to verse 5, Jesus was mightily struck by their faith. Brotherly kindness. The four men carrying their friend shows us what a united effort can do. One person could have said, well, what can I do to help you? I, I, I can't help you. I can't get through that crowd. But the four of them together could take the stretcher. Now, it wasn't easy. Picture the scene, carrying a stretcher, a man on a stretcher, up steps and down through the roof. But the four of them together, here is teamwork. And you know and I know that churches can only work well when there's teamwork. One person doing his own thing will not, doesn't work well. We need to working together. That's the idea behind church session, the idea of a body working together if it works out well. Teamwork. Uh, that, that, is, that is so very, very important. I want you to ask yourself this evening, could you do some practical thing to help? You see, the four 
men, in a sense, couldn't do anything by themselves. But without their help, this man would never have been healed. He would never have walked again. They were vital links in a chain that led a paralyzed man to Jesus, who was able to walk again and, better than not, have his sins forgiven. Is there something you can do in your community, working together uh, as churches, two churches working together? Some way, Barbie, that you could be involved. I'm not going to throw out suggestions. You think that out for yourself. Some means of helping others, coming even to hear the saving message of Jesus, the lovely message of his love. I've often thought about a man more than 50 years ago now who took me in a car to a meeting uh, where I committed my life to Christ. That was a real link. Now, what did the man do? Did he minister to me? Well, yes and no. Yes, he did. He didn't preach. He took me in a car. He was carrying the stretcher. Do you see the application? He was doing a simple thing. But the simple thing was a very important thing. And so I'm asking you this evening, is there some way you can carry the stretcher for another person? That's a challenge to every believer here this evening. How many souls are perishing because of lack of united effort among Christians in churches today? What's happening? We're fighting over organs, and we're fighting over this, and we're fighting over that, and we're peddling our own canoe. And you know, sometimes we miss the most important thing of working together for the Lord. The four men were commended by Jesus for their faith, as well as the courage and determination, as well as the fact that they were willing to put themselves out to help a friend in need. I think there's a lot of lessons there we can grasp if we're willing to take note. Another point I want to make is this. Sometimes we only see part of the real problem. The man on the stretcher thought he had one problem. He couldn't walk. Now, I have sore knees at the minute. I'm not complaining about them, but, uh, you know, you get a bit fed up with sometimes. But we thought he had one problem. But in actual fact, Jesus identified two. And he decided to deal with the one that was less apparent to the outsider and to concentrate on the major problem of the heart. Verse 5, we read, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. There was no word about the, the legs at all. And that, of course, provoked a real reaction among the religious hierarchies that were there. Now, they were there probably not to listen and not, not to interest in what Jesus was saying. They were there to pick holes. And naturally, it happened. It always did. And they accused Jesus, of course, of blasphemy. Who does this fellow think he is? and so on. But of course, the real essence of the story is that Jesus identified himself for who he was. He identified himself as the one who can forgive sins. And when we come to Jesus, we're in the presence of the Almighty, who can forgive our sins and our shortcomings, and can discern the thoughts of the human heart. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And the conversation ensued, what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or pick up your bed and walk? And, of course, we know how that eventually the man was healed and restored, and then he was granted the greater blessing of the forgiveness of sins. 
Can you imagine the outcome of that event? Just picture the thing. If you had been there that day, what would you have thought as you saw this spectacle coming up the stairs and saw a man going out, undoubtedly praising God, walking away? And here's another point I don't want you to miss. The man's paralysis became his greatest blessing. I'm sure he never thought of it like that. But without his paralysis, the chances are this man could have walked, if he had been healthy and fit, he could have walked the the hills of Palestine all the days he had lived and never have heard the words from Jesus, your sins are forgiven you. The paralysis was a blessing. The paralysis was a blessing because it was the it was the very thing that brought him to Jesus. And it was the beginning of eternal life in his soul that was the greatest blessing of all. You know, sometimes we have to be laid aside in some way or another. A paralysis, a cessation or an impairment of activity to be aware of the presence of God in our lives. Yesterday, I was at the, I was at the funeral of my good friend, Andy Rogers, minister of Dungannon. When I was 18, I spent some time in the South Tyrone Hospital, a long, complicated story of which I will not bore you with. But I remember a prayer that Dr. Rogers prayed one evening as he came to visit me late at night, as was his custom, uh, in the hospital. And And it's a prayer that I've often used. It was prayer with something like this. It was, Lord, if there be any lesson he hath to learn when he's laid aside, may he learn that lesson now. Which in actual fact uh, tells uh, right on to the story here. A paralysis. It was the greatest blessing. Some people have learned by affliction. Losses, for what might appear losses at the time, have turned out in the bigger picture to be great gains. Sicknesses have led us some to the good say, like what David said in Psalm 119.71. You can look it up. It was good for me to be afflicted that I might learn your decree. But looking back on it, it was good to have been afflicted that I might learn your decrees. And I rather think that the paralyzed man, as he looked back, might well have said, might well have quoted that verse, it was good that I was paralyzed because I got the greatest blessing of all, sins forgiven, and a new life and a new start. The best lessons are learned during the hardest times. That's really a very important point. Maybe some of you have found that to be so. Often life's best lessons are learned during the hardest times. Yes, it is true. We don't appreciate it at the time. Looking back, you can look back over your lives, and your lives are all different different to mine. You can look back, and you've seen how God has guided you through, and you thought at the time it was despair and doom and gloom. And God hasn't left us. And God has guided us through. And perhaps you're a stronger and better Christian today. I hope so, because of some difficult thing. Well, of course, this story is really to show Jesus' power to forgive sins. That's the essence of it. And you know, there are many people like the man on the stretcher who feel that maybe that's a problem they don't have. 
Now you a lady who stopped coming to church one time, and she said, uh, and she was quite a posh lady. She thought well of herself, maybe more of herself than others did of her. But she 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 said the minister was always preaching about sinners. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Over the past couple of years or so, our lives have been paralyzed, maybe in ways that we haven't. Uh, seen, bef- haven't known before. Maybe not been able to visit someone, and uh, there have been various difficulties. But maybe it has given us time to think. Has any good come out of COVID? Has it given us time to sort out the real issues of life? Just like the man on the stretcher, maybe brought to Jesus. Often the real problems are not visible to the naked eye. But on the inside, faith in Jesus Christ is the one thing that can solve them. And so the last question I leave you with, what paralyzes you today? That'll be different for each person, of course. But I'm sure you can think of something that maybe paralyzes you or holds you back. Maybe paralyzes people from personal faith or becoming a Christian, or maybe paralyzes you from offering to serve in some way in the church or in the community, whatever it may be paralyzes someone maybe from entering full-time service. I don't know what it is. What paralyzes you today? I want you to think about that this evening. Read over that passage again. But you know, the day that that man heard that wonderful message from Jesus, your sins are forgiven. What a blessing it was for him. Let us pray. 